This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Happy Friday. Time to look back at the last seven days and to make sense of the biggest local and statewide stories in our weekly news recap. Music fans are coming back for more. This is day two, as you mentioned, of Lollapalooza. It started yesterday and it goes through Sunday night. We're hitting new heights as festival season just continues here in Chicago. I feel like Lala is just such an amazing community. Everyone looks out for one another. I think it's just a beautiful place, a beautiful venue. Last night, Mayor Brandon Johnson was on stage introducing Billie Eilish. Here to dive deep into those headlines and more is Carrie Shepard, Chicago reporter for Axios. Welcome back, Carrie. Hi, Sasha. Also joining, Romana Hussein, editorial board member and columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times. Good to have you back, Romana. Good to be back. And we've got Dan Mahalopoulos, WBEZ investigative politics reporter. Good to see you again, Dan. Great panel today. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> as you heard, panel, I mean, we're, we're, we're in for the fun week. Lollapalooza has landed at Grant Park. It's here. It's happening. The four-day Music Festival opened yesterday. We heard the mayor's excitement there. Uh, it's going to bring about 100,000 additional people downtown every day. In terms of the number of people, it's actually the biggest event in Chicago. So I'm curious because you all had to come down here to Navy Pier. <laughs> you had to come, trek through downtown in, in some cases. Does the vibe outside feel different? Already? Yeah, yesterday I felt it the most. I think you can avoid it a little bit where we are, but uh, yesterday I was on the blue line and I had to go into the belly of the beast, like right there on Michigan Avenue. I had an appointment there. Mm. And a lot of young people on the blue line, a lot of energy. Um, I like it though. I feel like it, you know, I, I don't mind all the people coming and, you know, there's a lot of people out and, you know, we consistently hear stories that nobody's coming to Chicago and nobody's downtown. Yeah. They're there. They're here. They're here. What about your commute in, Dan? You know, look, uh, <laughs> nothing will make a middle-aged dude feel older <laughs> than seeing a group of Lala kids uh, at a Metro platform or, or, or CTA platform, you know, and then the shorts, you're just like, hey, oh, can I yes. give you some of these umbros from the yes. 90s that go down to your knees? You know? That's when you really know. <laughs> I'll also add yes. a little bit of my uh, political analysis. I don't know what was more cringy that, it, you know, that shout out there from the stage by the new mayor <laughs> or that time when Rom was catching an act. I think oh, it was at Lala and, and somebody got a sneak video of him a few years back, like Dancing. basically grinding to a song <laughs> by it was, I, it was a I think it was Robin um, yeah, Thick. Thick. that's it yeah. <laughs> there you go. There oh my go. god I've got to go find that video and catch up Romana what was your journey into Navy Pier like today you know I took the CTA and I did not see any Lala kids I just saw a lot of people coming to Navy Pier so there were a congratulations young, there were a younger crowd than Lala and I have to tell you that I used to take um when my niece turned 16 that was her birthday present from her parents and nice. but my older sister told me in my younger sister that we had to go with her so I used to take my niece to Lala ah. for like five six years in a row and so yeah there were a lot of nostalgia bands so I told her well I'm gonna go watch The Cure and so she actually said <laughs> but um but there were, there were a lot of good bands there but I felt the same way Dan did I looked yeah. at everybody and I'm like oh my god everybody looks like there's they're 12 years old and some of them look like they're strung out and then I did look at oh. some of the clothes they're wearing and I'm like 
they did not leave the house like that. Their butt cheeks were out of their shorts. <laughs> and, I mean, so that, well, that's gonna listen, be that's gonna be my daughter's present when yeah. she turns sixty. Not yeah. sixteen. Speaking of daughters, guess whose daughter is literally on the CTA right now, heading to her first ever Lala. So you bet. Last night I gave one heck of a pep talk. Oh, I mean, I had I, one, I had I a list. I had a new portable charger and then a backup to the backup of the portable chargers. Nice. I'm we sure talked, she took notes. We talked sunshine. We talked water. We talked comfortable shoes. We talked outfits. I took photos of her from the front, from the back. I, I said, go get your glasses. Are those the sunglasses you're wearing tomorrow? Go get them. I want exactly what you're going to look like. I, I Just now I asked her to take a selfie because I'm already at WBEZ and I can't see you when you're walking out the door. And I know how teens can be and you can sneak and you can lie. And you can leave in something that's not what you told me you were going to wear yesterday. Ah. <laughs> so we had the whole discussion. That's awesome. Is that your main concern? Is it the outfit? Is it it's, the drugs? What is going well, on? Well, there's no drug concern with my with not my with child her. and okay. not with the people that she'll be with. My biggest, uh, you know, strategy conversation with her was more so of like, okay, if your phone dies, if Safety. your phone yeah. gets lost, it's yeah. like if you separate making sure you find a spot, get back together, totally. you know, that kind of thing. Totally. Um, so so I think she's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then, totally and then at the it. end I said, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it because I told my niece, like one time we split up, she actually had fun with me because I did like some of the bands that she liked, but sometimes she would see someone that I had no interest in and she goes to her friends. And I had some friends who were there and I told her though, I'm like, if I see you doing anything that I know your parents would not approve of, totally, I will tell them yeah. I'm not your friend. <laughs> I told her that I'm like, I might be cool, but I'm not that cool. And I, I will, I will definitely go and tell your mom because I'm loyal to your mom and you're and, not going to be doing anything. Her parents that, appreciated that. Exactly. Sure. And she was, she's totally someone that wasn't going to be, but she told yeah. me to stay away from the electronic music stuff. Cause she told me I would be horrified if I went there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause she said I was, I was acting like a mom looking at everybody and being like, <laughs> Oh my God, I was shocked. This was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Too, so well, well like, here's some other business going on around Lala. And some folks are wondering if the music festival had anything to do with the fact that the city decided to move hundreds of migrants out of a downtown police station. What happened, Romana? Well, so what happened was there were, um, you know, as we know, there, there's been a migrant crisis in Chicago for the last couple of months. I think that we have about 12,000 migrants that were bused here from other states. And uh, there are migrants living in police stations. And this is a central district police station where the migrants were taken and they were um, moved over to um, a, a shelter, a temporary shelter in Edgewater. Mm hmm. Um, Brandon Johnson is saying that this was already in the works, that this wasn't something that they necessarily scheduled um, at the same time that Lollapalooza was happening. Yeah. But, um, you know, some people have concerns. And then, you know, I guess the mayor brought a good point, And it's like we don't want a lot of these uh, migrants living in, in a police station because, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. those conditions aren't the best as we've seen. No, Two, not. not that the shelters are going to be like a home or anything like that, but maybe it'll be more conducive. So I can see his argument there. And then as we were joking about Lollapalooza, I'm like, I don't know if the migrants being from a, another country, I don't, I, you know, do you really want to subject them to the Lollapalooza? You know, but but it, it, it is it is a good... Um, might be a shock. Yeah, it might be a shock to them. But um, I, I don't know if it was something that was, you know, I think this could have been planned out. I mean, we're still kind of every day we're hearing about migrants being shifted from one place to another. So so it, it could just be a coincidence, yeah. as the mayor's saying. Well, uh, I mean, not only is this going to be a huge weekend for Chicago hotels, Dan, it's also busy for another business. Talking about cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like their Black Friday, right? It's just the big uh, day for them to, um, 
you know. For dispensaries? Yeah, there's a dispensary closest to Grant Park, which is uh, Cresco Labs is the operator of that, and they say this is the biggest weekend of the year for them. Then you have the uh, Verilife dispensary over on West Superior in the River North area, and so they have a park bus serving as a pop-up smoking lounge during Lala. You know, there have been different things where they've they've tried to, to you know, provide transit for people from dispensaries in the past few years since recreational marijuana has been legalized mm -hmm. and over to um, uh, the, the the festival itself. Um, but there's so much traffic that I think, you know, oh, yeah. some people, if, they, if uh, they, they just find their own way, if they can still find their way after they've, you know, puff, puff. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, just... So it's clear cannabis in, at dispensaries in Illinois is very expensive comparatively. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, but they will be getting business from folks throughout from out of state who didn't want to travel maybe with cannabis. So, and that's a that's sort right. of supply and point. demand. Uh, but if you live here, you, you might be finding your marijuana in, in other ways yeah. than going to the dispensary. Well, I want to stick with you, Carrie. <laughs> Non-tax, yeah. You know, speaking of this, we know that the concert goers, some of them, they may end up having a little too much fun, right? Because every year, local emergency rooms, they actually fill with festival mm -hmm. goers sure. who have overindulged mm -hmm. on drugs and alcohol. Uh, six medical tents are on site at the concert to help out. But Carrie, you've got a story about another spot where folks can go. So this is a this is a nonprofit um, that is from Columbus, Ohio. This couple, they go to arts and music festivals. It's called This Must Be the Place. Um, and they hand out free naloxone. So they'll have they've said they're going to bring about 4,500 doses. The idea being that you come up they give it to you. They'll train you how to use it. There's no reason, you know, there's why not have it, yeah. you know, just in case. And they said they told me they started this in 2021 because they noticed that a lot of sort of um, non opioid users, maybe recreational drug users were overdosing because of because fentanyl is so had because of the rise in prevalence of fentanyl cut into other drugs like cocaine and other pills. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is especially important in Cook County because I don't know if you guys saw, but you know, last year mm -hmm. there were 2000 opioid That's overdoses, right. which surpassed the previous record in 2021. And, you know, more more than 200 of those are young people 20 to 29. And that's mm -hmm. who's going to be mm -hmm. at Lollapalooza. So this is a place to just come. No questions asked. We're going to give this to you. I mean, my husband and I were talking, we should keep this in our car. You know, like there's no reason not to. You know, where you we live out. in the neighborhood, we see people, you know, struggling all the time. And so it's like we should have this Something ready and know how hand. to use it. Yeah. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're going behind the headlines in the weekly news recap with Carrie Shepard of Axios, WBEZ investigative politics reporter Dan Mihalopoulos, and Ramana Hussein of the Chicago Sun-Times. If you want to chime in on these stories, go ahead and send us a tweet at WBEZ Reset, or you can send an email to reset at WBEZ.org. We do our best each week to share as many of your comments on the air as possible. So while a lot of young people might get a little wild at Lala this weekend, there was uh, much more serious activity going on in the South Loop last Sunday. This one involved kids as young as 12, Romana. What mm -hmm. happened? So um, this was in the South Loop. It happened last weekend. There was about 40 young adults that were arrested at the end of it. Um, they were 
um, a group of kids, um, some were breaking windows, they took merchandise in some stores, and uh, a few of them ended up jumping on the cars and I think fighting amongst each other. And as you mentioned, Sasha, there was um, arrests, and most, I think about 30 of the arrests were 12 to 7, which well, was one 12-year-old, yeah. and they were 12 to 17. So most of them were very, very young. I think there was a 20-year-old in there, but some of them some were of also them, them charged with weapons. Too. Yeah, there was a UUW in there. So... Um, this this story just brought up a lot of uh, topics that we've talked on the editorial board. There's been discussion about, um, you know, a lot of black and brown kids in neighborhoods where they live in. They don't have, you know, these opportunities for so for for them going downtown is an activity. And, you know, Brandon Johnson has always talked talked about this too in the root causes. Um, I think what. Um, set an alarm set a lot of alarm bells off is Brendan Johnson talking to reporters this week and somebody mentioned the word mob action. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Despite the chaos and, and the 7-Eleven being looted, Mayor Johnson, I mean, he really did take issue with that reporter characterizing it as mob action. Let's hear it from him. That's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. What, what I'm I, okay, what I'm... Hold on a second, okay? Respectfully, these large gatherings... These large gatherings, just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you, we have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. So, Ramana, I mean, Mayor Johnson's not taken a lot of questions from reporters yeah. since becoming mayor in May. What do you think of him scolding the reporter for so, using that term? So I think I think I think there's a lot of things going. I think there's a lot of nuance. Um, I think a lot of people do agree that there are a lot of underlying you know causes of why these you know this is happening. But I think people are. I we got a letter from the editor, which is in today's paper, and someone said that you know. Brandon Johnson is being a little like Donald Trump by, you know, using words that, you know, may not be like using, you know, the jibe with a vax. So they're saying like, OK, what did happen? You know what? You know, there was crime going on. So it's not a trend because I think what um, Brandon Johnson was saying was like what's happening is a, he said to use the word trend instead. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people feel like, OK, you're not talking to the the media and then, you know, you're coming out and then, you know, yeah. you're scolding about words. So and then we also he used the word um, baby Al Capone's. Um, yeah, I think during, we have that. I think we have that as well. Let's let's listen to that. We have to be very careful when we use language to describe certain behavior. There's history in this city. I mean, to refer to children as like baby Al Capones is not appropriate. So we actually had a, um, a letter writer um, who was also a teacher, Chicago public school teacher, just like Brandon Johnson. And he said, I know where Brandon Johnson's coming from, by, but by him telling us not to stereotype um, you know, children, black, you know, maybe black and brown youth. Mm -hmm. They're like saying, well, you use that word. And then he he kind of wrote a thoughtful letter and, and it was interesting. interesting. Um, but I do think uh, there's a lot of good points. We're talking about Lollapalooza. Um, a couple months back, I, I would say less than a year ago, I did do an editorial, I wrote an editorial about, you know, the need for more activities for youth mm -hmm. in the West and South Sides. And one of the things, um, one of the youth groups, they were pointing out that, you know, Lollapalooza is a mostly white, attended festival like when you talk about the curfews a lot of these curfews tend to target black and brown youth so you have these youth they're like oh here you can smoke some pot and and you know a lot of people have these you know thoughts like okay so if it was a mostly black crowd would the same sort of dynamics be there like you know mm -hmm. you know the open arms and so i know there was a youth group that was talking about like the yeah. double standards with Lollapalooza and the 
and the curfews and like, you know, not in, adhering to it. And I remember yeah. the mayor, Mary uh, Lori Lightfoot at the time said something like, well, this is completely different. And uh, I know a lot of the youth groups and youth organizations were raising objected to that, ob- uh, objections to that. I mean, Dan, what do you think? I mean, as journalists, we know words matter, right? Of course. What do you think of the argument that the mayor's making? Yeah, that's fine. But I mean, the term mob action is not just a reference to the outfit, uh, which we call it in Chicago, yeah. <laughs> organized crime, the mafia, you know, and and some kind of uh, groups of, you know, Southern Europeans that look like me. <laughs> it, it's also uh, a term in the law in the state of Illinois. Um, mob action literally is a term. Now, I don't think that was phrased the right way, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know which reporter is. I'm not trying to pick on anyone. But, you know, I don't think those were the charges that were brought against yeah. mm-hmm. uh, these kids um, yeah. and and young people. I think, though, the mayor at that point, you know, opened himself up a little bit to, to a lot of scorn from people on the right that don't like him, you know, to begin with, uh, mostly outside of town. But the larger issue here is, you know, there, there does start to be a reputation among people from out of town mm-hmm. and maybe suburbs, maybe out of state. Um you know, oh, is is Chicago downtown, you know, someplace we don't want to go. And so far, I, I really think that's overblown. I mean, some of the people that are saying that weren't going to go anyway yeah, to downtown yeah, Chicago. Exactly. They want to yeah. stay in their bubble, uh, which is fine for them, I guess. And other people are coming, you know, mm. tourism is at an all time yeah. high. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, it was interesting the way he handled it. was a very interesting news conference overall uh, a couple yeah. of days ago. Well, here, here's what I'm wondering, Carrie. Is, is Mayor Johnson, you think, risking more backlash here for not calling out these young people for criminal behavior? Not necessarily. To Dan's point, I mean, people who have not been supporters of Johnson and maybe said that he hasn't supported the police enough are were kind of had already had their ideas about him. Yeah. He did say, to be clear, he did say there was a quote about him saying, you know, police practiced restraint. Mm-hmm. This could have been much worse. Um, Actually, let's listen to that as well. He was praising police for how they reacted on Sunday. To the best of their ability, I believe that they attempted to engage with our young people, with community partners, giving as much warning as they possibly could. And, you know, unfortunately, arrests, you know, were made and unfortunately, some damage was was caused. And the level of sensitivity and patience that our officers expressed, I'm appreciative of that. Sensitivity and patience, Carrie. Yeah, and I mean, I think Romano mentioned this. This is a really important point. Brandon Johnson was a teacher, and he wasn't just a teacher anywhere. He was a teacher in mostly black and brown neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. especially that are, you know, on face a lot like Cabrini Green, for example, the the very well-known housing project. So he was surrounded by young black and brown kids who get, um, they get sort of, called you know various things that maybe young white kids don't and they get labeled in certain ways that maybe it isn't entirely fair Mm -hmm. but we should say and i think this got a little undercovered one of the and i'm not sure if this is the same exact same period but there just a few days ago one of the an older office security officer who was at like the roosevelt uh you know movie theater area he died after you know, he was mm. after some of these attacks. So it wasn't like it was just property damage. You know, I think, to be fair, Johnson's press conference was before that came out. But there are there are actually, con- you know, big consequences to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor Johnson didn't receive the police union support during his campaign. So is he trying to get off to a good start and, and maybe establish trust 
Look, it's a funny thing about being the mayor. You can run with or without the support of the police. And I think two things happen once you get in. Mm-hmm. Now they're your police. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Now yeah. you're in charge of them. Now criticism of them is criticism of you. Uh, the other thing, by you know, by the same token, um, you know, does he came in without the police's support, as you as you pointed out. They wanted Paul Vallis in that runoff. They wanted him badly. And now you have um, some of them, you know, seem to like his interim superintendent, Fred Waller. They seem to be very defensive of him. Mm-hmm. Is that something that Brandon Johnson wants? I mean, his claim is that morale has, has improved a lot since he went in. And um, I don't know that there's any way to quantify that because ultimately it does seem that the police always turn against every mayor. That's just another truism. Yeah, when is the last mayor that had that they like support? I you would know. I mean, you I I don't remember. I mean, daily been a while. At a certain point, probably daily. You know, in the sense that uh, you know Richard M. Daly, the second mayor, daily definitely well before my time in this town. There was less labor strife because there was more money, and they were you know with all the public employees. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and you are tuned into the Weekly News Recap, where we take you behind the headlines of the week's top local stories. Now, before the break, we took a close look at that little event going on this weekend, you know, Lollapalooza, and a teen takeover in the South Loop. But there's a lot more news to get to. Ramon Diaz played football for Northwestern in the mid-2000s under now-fired coach Pat Fitzgerald. Diaz, in his 30s now, says he's still affected by the hazing he had to go through while he was on the team. My experience playing football at Northwestern University haunts me to this day. I never will forget the mistreatment that I experienced for those four years. It has been a very difficult time for our team, our staff, our current and former players impacted our alumni, the university, and the broader Northwestern community. Our panel today to help break down these stories, Ramana Hussein, editorial board member and columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times, Carrie Shepard, Chicago reporter with Axios, and WBEZ investigative politics reporter Dan Michalopoulos. Remember, you can chime in on the stories in real time. You can just send us a tweet at WBEZ Reset or send an email to reset at WBEZ.org, and I may read your question or your comment on the air. So another week and another handful of lawsuits filed against Northwestern University. I, I think it's pretty remarkable right now how regular this is becoming. So tell us the latest charges against the university, Ramana. I believe there's like 14 lawsuits altogether. And Ramon Diaz, um, who we just heard a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago, um, he was the one that the Northwestern um, Daily had profiled in the second story that they wrote, um, you know, kind of opening a can of worms or not can of worms, but basically shedding light on this problem. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the latest allegations are, you know, about what Ramon Diaz faced, which we heard a little bit about um, in the Northwestern Daily Story. But, you know, he talked a little bit more about um, the fact that he said that he was um, basically sat down and uh, his teammates had carved Cinco de Mayo in the back of his head. I think they shaved it in the back of his head. Um, he said that a coach had said made some sort of comment about, um, you know, we don't sleep on the floors like your dad did in Mexico. We don't do that around here. He made wow. he made sort of comments about that. Um, I think the day before there was there was more commentary about uh, a, a young black man who had his afro, you know, cut off. 
Then, you know, we're also hearing about watermelon eating contest that was held at the um, Kenosha, Wisconsin facility, which I don't think they're using anymore because I think a lot of the hazing happened yeah. there. And then we're repeatedly Goodness. hearing about this car wash, like the sexualized hazing that took place in the locker room. Um, so I think we're hearing um, there's some, you know, there's definitely some themes that are, you know, coming back with with a lot of these allegations. Mm-hmm. We're hearing a lot of, you know, um, racial comments. We're hearing, a, you know, the, the sexualized hazing. So mm-hmm. I think there's kind of a pattern, but it's it, I just feel like every time I open the paper, there's like a new lawsuit. And, you know, yeah. these are these are, you know, Ramon Diaz is I think they said was the oldest and he's 36 years old, which right. is still pretty young. So um, a yeah, lot of these players, yeah, years ago. Yeah. yeah, and so a lot of these players have played recently. So, um, and I think it does, I don't think, you know, hazing and, you know, racism, I don't think this is like particular to Northwestern. This is probably a problem a that's happening. Problem. And, you know, I think a lot of people are bringing up the fact that Northwestern, you know, had this internal investigation and they have not yeah. said anything about it. Well, you know, larger problem and, and you know, as... Ramana said, Dan, at least uh, at last count, we've got 14 athletes, former athletes suing the university. I mean, do you think that this is going to force a larger conversation about culture around sports, you know, a, a Me Too movement yeah. of sorts for yeah. athletes? Yeah, in Evanston and at Northwestern, but that started a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Penn State, the U.S. Gymnastics, uh, you know, Larry Nasser, the doctor, um, over in Indianapolis, I mean, all of these things have been in the air and and in the in the news and in the courts uh, for several years, and it's just been a public relations disaster for Northwestern. It's it seems like, um, yeah, it's their turn in the in the Me Too movement, and it's a reckoning. And you see these things. You talk about them being around for many years uh, in all of these situations that we cover. You know, somewhat analogous was a. a Chicago Park District lifeguards a couple of years ago and the lifeguards at the public beaches in Evanston that are on either side of the Northwestern campus. So it's virtually saturated, um, our yeah. culture. Yeah, I mean, this falls a lot, especially with football, with sports. You know, this is something, there's a lot of boys will be boys and mm-hmm. sports are sports, but then you're starting to hear more stories of like, well, this didn't go on at my school, so let's not say this is just how it goes. To Dan's point about reckoning, let's be clear, assault all of this is not new and even people coming forward is not new what is a little newer and a little refreshing is people are starting to pay a little attention to those people who come forward because they were silenced for a very long time yeah there have always been people who spoke up about workplace about sexual Mm -hmm. assault about stuff happening there's always been some sort of whistleblower but now people maybe are paying attention but there's probably a lot that aren't being listened to as well Ramana, you wrote uh, a recent op-ed. This was about your brother's sports experiences. It was very personal. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, my brother, I was telling him I was going to write this, and he's like, well, I didn't deal with what the you know what these kids at Northwestern did you know the allegations that were out there but I just remember him when he was playing high school sports and he was playing football he only played for about a year I remember my dad not really wanting him to play because of you know the the nature of the sport but he wanted to try it out and he did it for about a year but I remember he came up to me I'm five years older and he's like yeah you know there was him and another Indian kid on the team and the coach called him seven and he called the other one 11 and I mean I'm laughing about it because my brother laughed about it and you know this was because of the stereotype of the Indian convenience store owner Mm -hmm. and I remember at the time I told him like you know that's really racist he shouldn't be calling you that 
And, you know, he's he's like, oh, you know, it's funny. And, and, and this is one of the things that I noticed when I was reading the Daily Northwestern about Ramon Diaz. He said that he used to laugh a lot of this stuff off. And I think what we're hearing, I mean, we hear about women, we hear about people of color, yes. we laugh a lot of things off and we're like, oh, it's just a joke. But it does, you know, then like a couple of years later, my brother on, on Facebook, I remember like this was like 10 years ago, he kind of, he had a little Facebook post and it kind of opened a can of worms and people talking about their experiences yeah. on, on a sports team and the commentary they heard. These are all people of color. And um, my brother's like, you know, at the time I didn't think it, I thought it was funny, but now looking back, it was totally inappropriate. And so I think, I think even with a lot of these, this, a lot of these cases with these Northwestern kids, mm-hmm. it's like, like, you know, we talk about that car wash hazing ritual and you're like, you know, for someone like me, I'm like, that does not sound normal. And like, they're, right. you know, these kids probably want to participate because they don't want to seem like they're, they're, you know, they're being, they're being quote unquote bad sports. Right. Or they're on scholarship. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so they look back and they were like, that was totally wrong. And, you know, they start processing it later. And that, I think that's what happened with my brother. So when I heard about this Northwestern things, I mean, obviously what happened to him is like, you know, nothing compared to like what these other players face, but it's kind of the culture. And I do think sports is like a microcosm of our bigger culture. There's yeah, racism absolutely. in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. And, but I feel like sports is a little more leeway. And I think there's this thinking that just because there's a lot of black athletes, like it's a totally safe space for black, you know, black, you know, that's just this commentary that happened. You look at the NFL, I'm like Colin Kaepernick, yeah. you know, it's and true. it's, yeah. and it's not true just because there's a lot of black and brown bodies or like people it doesn't mean that it's a safe space for them so but i think that's one thing people black should... and brown leadership there exactly the coaches yeah right. exactly romana i was saying talking to romana before i really enjoyed her column about her brother but something you said that is really sticks with me about this is that this happens with a lot and dan you've seen this in your reporting of survivors of abuse and assault is well mine wasn't that bad well i didn't have that exactly it's okay yeah, it's, true. it's okay and then it starts you start to process it and also that's something with trauma you you know you push it down push it down and then something triggers it yeah. but you know it starts with the laughing it off yeah yes. and it's Nervous a lot laugh. of like well that mine wasn't yeah. that bad you know and it's like well if it made you really uncomfortable yeah. and no, ostracized, i agree you, it was bad. yeah because yeah, totally. he, he was telling me he's like well it's dumb you know <laughs> i told him i was going to write about it and yeah, he's just like he's like well this is nothing compared and i go of course i'm not saying that but there are different levels and the fact that exactly. you're well he even said he goes the fact that i'm thinking about it 27 years exactly. later shows you exactly. that he said that later like we and were those, talking about and it and those little subtle ones yeah those are the ones that happen all the time exactly that, again right. exactly brush. yeah yeah uh carrie these lawsuits keep coming northwestern's hired now uh, a former u.s attorney general to review the culture as we've been talking about at the university any more details so far? I mean, I'm I still have a lot of questions on what Loretta Lynch is gonna unve- unveil that uh, Maggie Hickey didn't already. They've already done this in, an investigation into this last fall, and Maggie Hickey's no slouch. She's the monitor of the CPD consent decree. This is someone who uh, knows how to investigate wrongdoing. And so bringing Loretta Lynch in, I was reading, you know, on Northwestern's whatever, you know, what they said she's going to do is like monitor the locker room. Well, I'm not sure how how uh, 
how authentically students might be <laughs> and athletes might be behaving if there's someone monitoring their the locker, locker room. room. Yeah, but yeah. it's practically a ritual thing with all of these scandals at this point yeah. mm-hmm. to bring in a former Fed of of great renown from from other investigations in the public sector. And it's like, it can't be over until that's happened. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I, I, I don't know if they're going to release the report. That's another thing. I mean, it's a private university. We don't have the same access yeah. to mm-hmm. the records that we do when scandals like this hit um, public bodies. It's an about face for the board of trustees that, look, no, no, we're taking this mm-hmm. seriously. Look, yeah. we got you know, Loretta Lynch. Yeah, well, you know, as we talk about Northwestern hiring a a big-name lawyer, we also recently found out who the Chicago Park District's new top lawyer is going to be. Dan? Uh, All roads lead to Heavenston with our stories (laughs) today. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a a lawyer named Nick Cummings. He was uh, the the corporation counsel for the city of Evanston, and he's been recruited uh, to come to um, the Chicago Park District, which, as we mentioned before, has had their own uh, scandals with uh, sexual abuse, uh, assault, uh, harassment, general culture of of abuse, and uh, you know they they pick him, the head of the park district Rosa Escareño, who replaced the superintendent that that presided over the scandal. Who Rosa Escareño was brought in mm-hmm. by then Mayor Lightfoot to clean the situation up. Says we've thoroughly vetted uh, Nick Cummings. We've thoroughly vetted our new general counsel. She said that about a month ago to our friend Fran Spielman on her podcast for the Sun-Times. And lo and behold, we learned that um, Nick Cummings is a defendant together with the city of Evanston and a former city manager in a lawsuit by his former deputy uh, saying that uh, he's black, but his as was his deputy, but she accuses him of saying racial slurs mm-hmm. in the workplace. Um, and we went into a lot of detail about that um, in our story, but there's a lot of questions about how thoroughly the, 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 this vetting really was. Okay. You know, they, they've been able to produce no real proof that they did anything but just kind of interview him. Hmm. I want to turn to Call something some very different, uh, Carrie. Roughly 200 workers at Loretto Hospital on the west side, they're on strike. What, what are they asking for? More money, as usually strikes are about. And these are not nurses. Uh, this is sort of med. Uh, I think this is folks who work maybe in the cafeteria and food services. Okay. This is um, better working conditions too. Right? Technicians, yes, better working conditions. They the um, they get Loretto workers and the SEIU who represents them says they make you know uh, they make below industry standard, and also that's led to as we've seen in the healthcare industry. Um, Kristen Shores, our colleague, has done a ton of great reporting on this, is the massive turnover. And she actually uncovered that because of being understaffed at Loretto, which is a, to be clear, a West Side safety net hospital in Austin. So um, someone died in the emergency room because there was not there. There was just not enough staff and there wasn't you know, they weren't triaging in the emergency room. So these conditions are, you know, they're saying, look, we're not our condition we're we're striking and there aren't enough of us and that's turnover is going to continue i was trying to look up before of like where the closest next closest safety net hospital is yeah what'd you find well, I not. I didn't get very far. <laughs> um, you had I would to bring Kristen short. I had to, bring, I, to be fair, you were doing this during our two minute yes, break. Yes, I was. Yeah. I, was <laughs> I was texting with Kristen short. Um, but I would. I mean, probably West Humboldt, maybe close because it's Austin. Um, but you know, in safety next hospitals are for folks who don't have insurance and mm-hmm. don't have access to other medical care, and yeah. they have to kind of take everyone. 
So, you know, that's a vulnerable population already that then if you're not, if the people who are working to treat this population aren't also feeling like they're being treated right, it's yeah. a bad combination. Uh, let's not forget Loretto got in a lot of trouble oh, yeah. last year because right. Block Club reported that their administrations had done some terrible... Um, Gosh, was that last year? It's well, been a couple years. years. Couple years, years. Yeah. Yeah. When I first got to Chicago. Couple years, During yeah. the pandemic. During the pandemic um, with COVID. They were giving judges and 2021, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a tech in the emergency department said she was beaten up last week by a patient. Mm. And the ER is supposed to have at least five techs who help with everything from getting patients into gowns to drawing blood, but only three we're working at the time. So, I mean, goes to show. And we're back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. And we are in the home stretch of our weekly news recap, giving you a closer look at the top stories across Chicago and Illinois. Now, before the break, we talked about the latest lawsuits against Northwestern University and its sports hazing scandal. But we still got more news to cover, believe it or not, with Ramana Hussein, who's an editorial board member and columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times, WBEZ investigative politics reporter Dan Mahalopoulos, and Carrie Shepard, Chicago reporter with Axios. Dan, we are expecting Mayor Johnson might announce his pick for police superintendent next week, right? Might. We're, we're, we're almost there, yeah? Uh, you know, earlier this week, uh, when he did have a news conference that we were discussing before, he was like, hey, if I if I ran, rushed into this decision and, you know, because you guys want me to make a decision, you and the media or the public, then you might criticize that decision. I mean, he's been in office for nearly three months. We've had an interim superintendent yes. uh, in Fred Waller. And, uh, you know, he's not in the mix. Uh, he's not one of the three finalists that were passed on last month by this civilian panel. Mm -hmm. So the mayor is supposed to pick from from these three. Yeah. And, and the expectation, it's going to be, you know, sooner than later, yeah. finally. Well, meanwhile, we're getting we new know. information about Chicago's interim superintendent, Waller. Fill us in. Yeah. New old information. Um, well, when he was uh, picked to be the interim superintendent on May 3rd, uh, two days later, I filed a Freedom of Information Act request for all 58 of his uh, misconduct files. All, 58? All, yeah, that's that's a, a fairly high number. Uh, there are apples and oranges within there, so it, it's hard to just judge it by the number. Um, but uh, there were there were all these complaints. So oddly enough, when somebody has too, so many misconduct files, and he has more than I think probably 90% of the CPD, um, he comes out of retirement. And we looked at his at his record. I think it's a n normal thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, Chicago police has really dragged its feet on on producing these records, and they are voluminous. Um, finally, uh, just like last Friday, we get one from 1994 where his then wife accused him of domestic violence, of 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 hitting her which he denied and she stopped cooperating for the investigation and the internal investigation pretty much ended quickly. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, the mayor defends him when we ask him about this story and another story comes out, this one with a file that Southside Weekly and Invisible Institute got about another domestic violence accusation in 2006. So now we have multiple uh, cases that have surfaced and we still don't have all of those 58 files. Mm. The same same wife, same partner? No, a different woman. Different woman, okay. Yeah. Different woman many years later. Well, you know, Ramana, I, I want your thoughts because <laughs> 58 complaints in a 34-year career, is that typical to Yeah, you? I, 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 Pretty standard? Dan would probably know better than I would, but from what 
I mean, there are, you know, there are some police officers who have more complaints than others. I, I usually think that if in the, they're in the hundreds, I'm like, that's a lot. But 58, like Dan said, it's apples and oranges. Like, what do some of the complaints say? What, mm-hmm. Like, how severe are some of the complaints? Yeah. Um, because there could be a complaint that could be horrible, like horrific, like one complaint and somebody could have like 12 and they could be like more minor complaints. So it depends on what they are. But I do think the domestic violence um, issues do raise you know, questions about it. And we we all know that he was um, disciplined for making a rape comment when there were some police personnel that were shifted from one area to another. Mm-hmm. I think he said that you guys are raping us. And he said, grope me, don't grope rape me. me. Gro- grope me, don't rape ap- me. He yeah. apologized, yeah, but he, this was just a few years ago. Yeah, and in the domestic violence case, you know, he said, you know, that they both ended up, he said that we both ended up like scuffling on the floor, fighting over a telephone, right. and then there were marks on his ex-wife's, like I think, neck, and it's a part of her body. So I think, there, you know, there, these are good questions to raise. And like Dan said, like, you know, she didn't end up cooperating, but it was resolved right. pretty quickly. So these are questions that we have. I mean, yeah. we've, we've always like, you know, just just in the past couple like year or two, like, you know, we we're hearing about investigations of people who had ties with like right wing extreme groups mm-hmm. like the Proud Boys. And we hear about how the investigation went. And then there was all these holes in the investigation. And then you wonder, like in 1994, like how thorough did these investigations take like you know once yeah. she, once the ex-wife didn't want to cooperate then what happened and then you know she she Nothing, filed, she filed like. and she filed for divorce like right right after that Carrie? also let's be months. clear yeah. that when you have when you are in a relationship with a police officer and you file a and you call the police um that can run into issues in that yeah. sense maybe you won't necessarily be listened to i'm not saying that's what happened here mm. but there are reports and have been in the past that especially um police officer families have higher rates of domestic violence. I think it's completely fair, as we all would agree, that every leader of all our city departments, no matter what, should be held to a higher standard of character and also be setting an example for all of whom he, you know, represents and and leads. I'll just add that Mayor Johnson, who ran on a platform that had many, many bullet points about helping domestic violence survivors, you know, he really defended uh, Waller the other day when we asked him about it at a news conference and uh, has praised his record overall, as we mentioned earlier in the program, yeah. for raising morale and uh, coming out of retirement uh, to spend his summer heading the CPD and wow. augmenting his pension, <laughs> as has been reported as well. Let's uh, stick with a police issue here and quickly touch on this, because we've had three armed robberies of na- mail carriers in the last few days, one in West Suburban Berwyn, one in Chicago's northwest side, Kilburn Park neighborhood, where the carrier was actually shot. Mm-hmm. And minutes later, a carrier in Logan Square was robbed. Why are mail carriers being robbed, Carrie? I don't know. I, this is frightening. I didn't know about this until you all sent me this story. And it makes me very concerned for my own mail, mail carrier who I see, mm-hmm. but who is also often uh, parks his truck and then just leaves the leaves the, door <laughs> the doors open and kind of roams around. Um, and, you know, that's frightening. And then the other... I I was I sort of was wondering as I was reading the story like is this just random? Why are they targeting mail carriers? Of all yeah, they're, they're taking their their master keys, right? Yeah, and that they use even... to unlock the mailboxes, right? Yeah, and... which I think happened in our case. We our building was robbed uh, about a month ago, wow. and we found out that access was from the the master key. And, uh, and we didn't we for some reason we we didn't feel like it was our mail carrier that was sort of just being shady i see uh, now with the story i'm like ah maybe 
Maybe he was he got robbed. Yeah, because yeah. they can scrub checks. I, I, and, yeah, yeah, that's what I think it is, like scrubbing checks. My mom yeah. actually, so I think what they do is because a lot of people send like birthday gifts. Like my mom sent my cousin's daughter like uh, $200, like maybe a couple yeah. months back. And Moms, she, and then I, she <laughs> ended up, um, she didn't use the special pen, but yeah. uh, someone basically interfered and they wrote a check for $30,000. So <gasps> they, you know, it was like this whole process. So, and oh, we, wow. we, we at the Sun Times did a story about how these, um, you know, the wash of checks is become like a bigger and bigger problem so that's just my theory i could be wrong because like why would you just take a bag of mail you know you you rob someone and take a bag of mail so i'm just thinking that you know people are sending checks like for birthdays you know people you know to to the relatives and loved ones across across the country so that's what that's what i'm thinking yeah Yeah. gift cards are really the biggest danger was dogs biting them yeah no no, not anymore they can't redline you know they're not like cabbies you know they have to go everywhere. Well, they, the yeah. U.S. Postal Service is offering $50,000 as a reward for information on that Berwyn robbery that I mentioned. Uh, this weekend, it's going to be a hot one for anyone that's hoping to go for a swim, though, at their local Chicago you know, park indoor pool. Bad news. Tell us quickly what it is, Dan. What's happening? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's happening all over the country, and it has happened for a long time. It's just a simple fact that um, there's not enough lifeguards. Not enough lifeguards. So the uh, indoor pools in this city, they're going to close for a month while the lifeguards get posted at beaches. Yeah. I mean, they they have to prioritize when they don't have enough people to cover. But I like uh, the indoor pools. Well, you know, yeah, there are days that are not beach days. But Go to the Y, Sasha. pretty nice You know lately. what, Carrie? <laughs> no, I mean, it's That's just not a, why you pay your property. It's, tax, yeah, exactly. Carrie. It's disappointing because, I mean, the, the pools, the outdoor pools were a little later, if I recall, opening. So, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of this heat, anyone actually going to Lala? I mean, we... we joked about no, it earlier i know but. someone who's daughter you know just like you i have someone who's a mother and she's like i'm just gonna go watch a michael jackson broadway show while i wait it really for her seems, to come back. It really seems yeah. to have shifted though Ramana, yeah to just to that younger generation that this yeah. is their you deal know, now right? i feel like the crowd is younger and younger i have to tell you like i was telling you talking to you about how i took used to take my niece who's like in her late 20s now but she kind of outgrew Lollapalooza at 18 oh, she's wow. like oh god this is like so tired and i said to, and then her brother he used to come along and he was like 12 he could get in free and yeah. then even he like aged out at 14. okay He's well like, the, this know. is music to my so, ears so trust me I, I think because then, she's about to be 17 <laughs> so really i just have to go through this maybe one more time one yeah time. My, one my, time. my friend was saying i hope she doesn't like it and then doesn't want to go again <laughs> she goes this is so expensive it's you expensive. know it's expensive yeah. it you know expensive. what i mean it's really expensive and a lot of the kids aren't even from chicago that's one of the things that i yeah. noticed because yeah. i remember like one time like these kids didn't know like some of the ethnic food that was being sold oh, at one of the food courts. <laughs> and I was like, didn't know euros? I was, yeah, no, it was it was samosas. He didn't well, know what a samosa was. Okay, was so like, hey, so, so Lala might not be your thing. You can check out the Bronzeville Jazz Festival, a bunch of other things. West Town's got a Dancing in the Streets event. Uh, Chicago's only classical music street fest is also this weekend. In Ravenswood, yeah. Thirsty, Thirsty ears. ears. From Access Contemporary Music. Yeah, I saw that they were having a little mini silent film fest too which i think would probably mean that there's going to be live soundtracks i yeah. always enjoy that there's plenty to do not just lala oh, all right we'll leave it there that's it for the weekly news recap my thanks to ramana hussein of the chicago sun times carrie shepherd of axios and dan mahalopoulos of wbez thank you thank you for having us